Welcome back to another Avoid the Big podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm here to talk about the NFL Draft with you. You know we do not do these podcasts often, but when we do, we have something that you need to hear. Today is absolutely no different. As the sports world has been on pause for the last month, we finally have something to look forward to, finally something to bet on, and that is the NFL Draft. There are a plethora of opportunities out there. Uh, ultimately, sports books have nothing going on, so they're trying to attract people to come to their shops. Right now, there's probably more draft props that are up right now than there have been ever. And if you shop around and you look at different books, you can get great, great value. You can make a lot of money on this stuff. And this is information-based. And to really hone into specifically what we should be looking at during the mock drafts, uh, reading through Twitter, listening to some of the talking heads, who to trust of amongst those talking heads, uh, we are bringing in pregame hitman and if you're not following him at pregame hitman you really should be he is awesome he was with us for the super bowl he gave us a ton of winning plays and he's here to give us even more and without further ado here is the interview with the hitman it is with great pleasure that i welcome back the hitman to the avoid the big podcast hitman how are you making out over there pretty good just uh trying to get through the day is as all of us are doing, and uh, just been working on draft stuff for pretty much the last month. So I kind of, I kind of don't even want the draft to come yet, just because I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with myself once the draft ends. So just uh, getting by day by day, and happy that me and my family are healthy. There you go, man. You know, the last time you and I spoke on a podcast, it was with the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, I, I know from our conversation that you must have done very well with that, huh? The, the Super Bowl was the best day that I've ever had as a uh, better. There was uh, I, I don't want to get into the particulars about it just because with uh, what I made the most money on because there was a shop that uh, made some egregious mistakes on sub props to, to put it lightly, and I was uh, able to get a lot down at it and uh, got paid out and everything. So it it ended up being a very good Super Bowl for me. That is fantastic. You know, you go from the Super Bowl where you have the best day uh, in your gambling life, and then you walk right into the XFL, which for the first couple weeks of the season looked like it was going to be a gold mine for you. And I know that you were been killing it on that. Uh, talk about that briefly. How well did you do in the XFL? The XFL, um, it, it cost me a lot by not having it no more. Yeah. Um, obviously the plays that I, I put out and the plays I was making were doing very well. You, you could just crush the line movement in that league if you know what you're doing. Um, you guys, your site, you guys did a, a great job putting out all that, the uh, yards per play data and everything. I was using that every single week. So that was uh, good stuff that you guys put out. And then um, there was a lot of live betting opportunities I found in that league. Um, there was a lot of um, discrepancies in the lines. Like you would, I'd be middling totals, like two and a half, three points in live wagering and everything, so um, definitely going to miss that league. I'm, I'm, it really did hurt me that it's not going to be around no, no much. Uh, it's not going to be around anymore, but um, I guess just take the profits from it and uh, move on to the next sport. Yeah, it, it, it was very upsetting to me because not only did we have plays every week that we were making money on, but the futures that we held were, were great value that easily... I, I can't even express to you how much money that I would have made had that league just finished the rest of the year and, and, and gone in the books as uh, graded all the futures. And obviously that is not there anymore. And it does not look like it's going to be anytime soon. 
Yeah, I had a I had a pretty big future on a Houston to win the title at five to one. Yeah. So um, I think by the time the season ended, they were maybe around like even money or something to win it all. So right. that that hurt me. And then the ones that sting the most are like you have a Tampa Bay Vipers under seven and a half wins ticket. And they literally just need to finish the season, and you cash. There's right. no mathematical way they could finish the season with eight wins. <laughs> and the league shuts down, and you don't get to cash that ticket. So, so all of your uh, future plays you got money back on, correct? They uh, kicked that back to you? Repeat that one more time. So all of the future plays from the XFL, obviously this, the season didn't conclude. So they the books have all paid you back the money that, not obviously that you would have won, but that you had placed originally. Yeah, they all paid me back. I had uh, I had one local guy that uh, I played some Tampa under seven and a half with, and I also had a, an offshore that I, I played it with, and I was I was texting them and uh, DMing them saying, "Hey, listen, uh, joking around, obviously." I was like, "Listen, I need this money to feed my family. We're in yeah. tough times. Do you think you could uh, give me the win since it mathematically won?" And one of the local that knows me, he said, "Yeah, you're you're full of shit. So <laughs> you, you're not getting that." joking around me and yeah. the, the offshore he said uh good effort but we're not paying you out on it ah, but yes, it I, did, I did get the money back which so you is, did uh, okay what they should be doing uh, that's all. You know, how about with this NFL season? I mean, we're obviously going to talk about the lot with the draft here, but I've noticed that you've been putting out some information on the NFL season totals. Uh, are you nervous about that, considering the coronavirus is going? We don't really know what's going to happen. There's been some uh, professional uh, doctors that have stated that they we may see another surge in October that may cancel the year or postpone the year. Are you nervous about any of that with laying that money now, considering we don't really know what's going to happen with this? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I've thought about it a little. I've still been playing season win totals, but I've been kind of just playing ones that I know that the numbers are really off and that I just kind of have to play it. Like, for example, there was one shop that opened the Jaguars at six and a half wins, Mm -hmm. and I knew that number was way off. I have my own model where I make the the season win total, and I had them out to like 4.1 wins. So... I knew that was like two and a half games off, so I just had to get down as much as I possibly could. And you know what? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't. I don't pretend to be. I I read the reports, but you hear kind of you hear the very pessimistic people and you hear the optimistic people. I don't know what the hell to believe. Right. But I just gotta. You know, if if I have the 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 money that I can put it down and not have to worry about that money that I'm putting down until January. I'm going to go fire on a, a number that I see far off. So, I mean, I've definitely been playing a lot futures than I normally would be, but I've still been playing them. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about not canceling the season, but basically having the games without fans. And if they can get to that point, I, I'd imagine that they'd be pretty good with playing all 16 games of the of the regular season, that you should be pretty good with that, and, you know. But obviously, there's we're not going to know until we hit that and actually get through the whole process. So, but what we are going to have next Thursday is the NFL draft. So, talk to me briefly about here. There's a lot of things that are going on with the draft, and this is a little bit unique compared to previous years. Uh, predominantly, the mock drafts are where the information hub is, and there's rumors on Twitter. Uh, but without any other sports going on and a lot of wagering opportunities, a lot of these sports books have been putting out more plays, probably paying more attention than they have in previous years. How have you found the market for the NFL draft uh, at the various books that you go? 
Yeah, I mean, I found it to be soft as usual. I know people are talking about, like, oh, well, the books are going to have more time to, to devote to the draft. But let's be honest, a lot of these places just don't know what the hell they're doing, especially these these local shops and these uh, these places in New Jersey. Of course, you're going to get the, the more established places like a bookmaker, bet online. They book the draft for however long they've been booking it for, I assume at least over a decade, and they know what to do with it. I mean, they're going to take action from sharps for, for low limits, like $100, $200, and they're going to move aggressively off that. And um, you, you're not going to – you're going to get some decent plays for them, but you're, you're really not going to crush those places. But it's going to be the places, like a lot of the places in New Jersey that aren't used to booking this stuff that – they're going to be late to adjust stuff and information is going to come out. And a lot of these places, if you're just sitting by the computer or sitting by your phone and you react to the information that comes out, you're going to beat a lot of these people to the information and you're going to get a lot of good lines. So as long as you have enough out to, uh, to attack these lines, you're, you're going to find tremendous value in the draft just as if, just like any other year, and you're going to have way more of a selection to uh, to play on. Now, when you say that you retrieve the information, you get the information to make your plays, you're getting that specifically from mock drafts, Twitter, people that you know that, that you've been in touch with, that kind of stuff. Is that how you attack the NFL draft in that respect? Yeah, I mean, you want to get a list of uh, people that you know that they have sources, and you want to be able to see what they're saying and uh, try to put in your handicap. Like, for example... Uh, Daniel Jeremiah is extremely plugged in. I think uh, every year he ranks highly in the mock draft uh, scoring that they have at um, one site. I don't know the specific site, but they score the mocks every year on who is the most accurate. And Jeremiah is pretty high. He has connections into the league. And then you have guys like Gil Brandt, the uh, former Cowboys personnel guy, that he's extremely connected in the league too. And he, um, you want to read what these guys are saying, and you just want to be able to react to it. I'm, ideally, you're going to get um, a player that you've got multiple people talking about. For example, C.J. Henderson, the, the corner out of Florida. Multiple pretty sharp people start uh, in the mock draft community start saying, hey, listen, this guy, is um, his stock's going up. He's probably going to go before 16. He's going to potentially go top 10. So if you could get that information on Twitter before these places kind of adjust to it, then that's how you're going to make money on the draft. And you mentioned something to me as we have discussed off the podcast here is not betting every rumor either. And, you know, as I have gone through everything and studied and researched and read and looked at the mock drafts and whatnot, there are a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And just because one person says it doesn't mean it to be factual. So I think you even mentioned it there is getting the people that you trust, a collection of people and getting their collective thought process. And if they're starting to align, you have opportunity to hit that number before the books can adjust to it. Is that kind of how you go about doing it in that respect? Exactly. I mean, you know what? I mean, we all heard the, the phrase, opinions are like assholes. Yeah. Everyone has one. Well, guess what? Mock drafts are like assholes. <laughs> Everybody seems to have one in this day and age. So yeah. you got to try to differentiate, okay, what people are just, um, what people are connected into the mock drafts and actually have legitimate sources that they're hearing from other people in the league, oh, hey, uh, this guy is falling, this guy is rising. Or are you just going to get the random person from uh, 
ESPN that is just putting out a mock draft and half of it is just what he thinks should happen right. instead of what he thinks actually will happen. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to you gotta find who you, who you trust with this information because, exactly, if you're just going to play every single rumor, then you're going to run out of uh, money in your account yeah. pretty quick. So make sure you get a list of people that you can go to for your information. Now, with that money management, with – holding on to the money and make sure you're spending it wisely. You Traditionally on NFL Sundays is probably not prudent to bet those games on Sunday. You want to hit the opening number. Is Do you see that there is equal action between betting early on these NFL props and then when you get more information, you can also bet it late before the draft actually happens? And how do you, what, how do you judge that? How do you judge from saving money for the end versus spending it now? Is there anything, any tips that you would have for, to the listeners? Yeah, so typically... I tend to do my best the closer to the draft that it gets. So usually like right around this time frame, like a week or so before the draft is when you, uh, you really get a lot of information that's coming out and um, you just got to be able to react to it quick. Like um, you could even get that information like 20 minutes before the draft. If you remember the year where uh, Laramie Tunzel had the gas mask uh, and right 20 minutes before the draft started, like that's the time where you hit over because you have all the information that you need. So, I mean, early on in the process, you kind of just want to play stuff that you think is significantly off because you want to be able to save the credit in your accounts. I mean, if I had an unlimited bankroll, then I would play everything I could early and play everything I could late. But um, for a lot of us, I mean, especially a lot of recreational players, you might only have a few thousand dollars or maybe even a few hundred dollars that you're playing around with. So you got to be able to uh, save that for the stronger plays. And I think that right around this time, like a week or so before the draft comes, is when you're seeing a lot of the, uh, the stronger rumors that actually have some likes to them when uh, they're starting to come out. And with one of the rumors that have been last like couple days in particular, this the quarterback carousel that's going on right now, especially at the top of the draft, uh, I think everyone can agree that Burrow is going to be taking number one overall. Where do you see this line movement with Tua? Is 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 this legitimate? Are we actually concerned that Herbert is going to go ahead of him? If so, should we be reacting to that? Yeah. So um, I played a lot of uh, of uh, Herbert to be the second quarterback drafted. I, uh, I had a place that was a little late to adjust when the market was like plus 170 or something. Right. I grabbed a plus 325 on that. Wow. Okay. And, um, honestly, I mean, I still like it, even at any type of plus money. And just because, as I was touching on uh, earlier, that you got to have your sources that you think are giving out accurate information and actually have uh, intel into the draft process. And pretty much every single one that I respect, they're coming out and they're mocking Herbert to go before Tua, and a lot of them are saying that these Tua medical concerns are legit. And I'll tell you what, every single sharp better that I interact with has all been buying this stuff, and they've been playing Tua overs. And uh, Herbert, second quarterback drafted, uh, Tua, third quarterback drafted stuff. So, I mean, as of right now, I mean, I, I'd have to say that I think Herbert's going to, Go ahead of uh, Tua. I did play a little bit of uh, under six minus one twenty five and a little bit of under five and a half plus one thirty. So um, yeah, I mean every pretty much every single person that I go to for a lot of my information, they're they're thinking Herbert. Now I mean there's a possibility that the Dolphins 
just have put out an amazing smoke screen and we're all wrong. Like it is draft. Like shit does happen during this event, but with you can only go off of the data that you have and with the data that I think is out there and the, the information that's out there, I would have to say that I think Herbert's going to go before Tua and we might see a, a Tua slide coming. You know, the quarterback position is the most important in probably sports, not even just football. And when you make a decision by drafting a quarterback this high, people lose their jobs if it doesn't work out. So with Tua's coming off this injury and nobody can get the medical on him and nobody can work him out and see and test everything and he's had the history that he's had, that you understand why teams are are reticent and and nervous about drafting him, uh, particularly that early, because if he doesn't pan out, you can't say the excuse that, oh, well, he was injured and we couldn't do it. I mean, is that a good excuse? They're probably not going to keep their jobs. So I think that a lot of these teams are going to be overly cautious. I could be wrong, and and we'll find out next week. But um, ultimately, I would agree with you that Herbert is probably the choice. And that kind of brings me back to uh, number three, right? Obviously, we think – let me ask you specifically. Burrow is going to go number one. You agree? Yes, I would be – I'd be willing to lay a big price if I had unlimited credit that uh, Burrow will be going number one. And you would say Young is going number two? You feel confident with the Redskins selecting him there? Yeah, I, I, laid, I laid some minus 500 on Young going uh, under two and a half just the other day. So I'm fairly confident that Young is going to go tell. Now, predominantly, I bet yes or no stuff, that there's one side or the other, and you can bet both sides of it. But there, there are some opportunities that I feel like materialize here that they need to be explored. And one of them right now is who do you think is going to go three? Because, you know, Akuda has been mocked to everybody going to the Lions, just about everybody. And if that's the case, Burrow, Young, Akuda in that order is plus 200 right now at William Hill. And if we think that Herbert is going to be the one selected as the first quarterback taken, everyone said that Detroit is going to move out of that third spot. So if they're going to do that and Herbert moves into the spot, is the play Burrow, Young, Herbert, 1-2-3 in the draft, uh, which is plus 600 right now at points bet? Is that something that you think we should be exploring? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a decent long shot. I mean, I didn't personally play it myself at the moment because I, I really don't know what the hell I think is going to happen at number three, to be honest. I mean, I, I did play some Okuda over three and a half uh, about a month ago. And that was with the presumption that I was like, well, listen, Detroit's got to trade out its pick. And I think that Detroit is absolute batshit crazy if they don't trade out yeah. its pick, as long as they just get a somewhat decent offer from a Miami or the Chargers, one of those teams. Like, even if it's just like a third round pick, because, I mean, what is the sense of sitting there at three and taking Okuda at three when you know that there's a 90. 90- Five percent chance that okay, listen, we trade back to five with Miami. We take just like a third round pick. Even the Giants aren't going to take Okuda at four, and we go get him at five. Right. So I mean, I'm just trying to think of it logically that it would make no sense for Detroit to stay there at three and to take Okuda and just and also from Miami's standpoint, like the it's kind of out there now that they might prefer Herbert. So you just want to go up and grab your guy. And if it only costs you a third-round pick, I mean, they have like 7 million draft picks right now yeah. to begin with. So um, I, I, would, I wouldn't I would be opposed to sprinkling a little bit of that 1-2-3 combo with, uh, with Herbert going third. And um, as far as the Okuda one, I mean, I, as I said earlier, I played the over three and a half. I'm trying to assume that the Lions lack logically on this, but uh, the Lions and logic don't always uh, – that's – they don't uh, always mix together those two words. So um, 
at the moment, I really don't have any strong opinions on three, but yeah, I, I would play that for maybe sprinkle that uh, that trifecta that you uh, just mentioned. Yeah, we were looking at that. The uh, the coup to play is interesting with the Lions right now. You know, you mentioned that they are the Lions and they don't do what they probably should. You know, I've been a Giant fan my entire life, and I've kind of experienced that in the last few years of, of just dysfunction. Uh, in a in a draft like this, where it's all virtual and people aren't comfortable with the way that they've always done it, is that going to inhibit some of the trades that we could potentially see? Or do you think because it's so early in the process that the Lions are three, we know what one is going to be, we're pretty sure what number two is going to be, that at three, the Lions can really just act accordingly and plan ahead, and, and they're, they should have a trade lined up before this draft even starts, correct? Exactly. So what, what I've been hearing from uh, some pretty smart people is that in the first round, a lot of your trades are kind of predetermined. Like, for example, if, like, the Falcons are picking at 16, they're going to call uh, a team at 10, and they're going to say, hey, listen, if our guy falls to 10, we're going to be willing to offer you this. And um, the other team will say, all right, well, if uh, the guy we like at 10 isn't there, then uh, we'll be giving you a call. So a lot of the first-round trades, especially in, like, the first half of the first round, is kind of predetermined. And I think where you're really going to see the trades not happening is in the later rounds when you only have like a five-minute clock to pick and you really don't have anything predetermined as far as like what compensation you're going to offer a team and everything. So I don't think it will affect the trades too much on the first day, especially in that first half of the first round. That is certainly fair. And one of the things I heard, uh, I think it was today or yesterday on VEASAN, they were talking about it, and I apologize, I don't know who actually stated it, but that they said 40% of the teams have C.J. Henderson ranked the number one overall cornerback. So you got to think, even if the Detroit trades back and for some reason they miss out on Akuda, maybe the Giants take him or whatever, and, you know, with... Akuda gone, you still have C.J. Henderson, which is very very highly thought of. You see the number from 16.5 is going down. I think at some shops right now it was like 12.5 uh, juice to the over. Um, that line moved very, very quick the last couple of days. So as a Detroit personnel or fan, I don't think I'd be overly upset if I missed out on Akuda. I'm not sure what the discrepancy between that Akuda and Henderson is. And if you're getting that additional asset, that would make you even feel better in that respect. Um, you know, after that number four, you brought up the Giants. And like I follow them uh, closer than any other team. It's somebody I've rooted for. I, I, I have bet on them uh, and mostly against them. So even as a fan, I, I try not to let it impact my uh, my betting history. But uh, as far as the Giants go, I feel like there's a lot of uh, telltale signs. I, I, there's a lot of smoke screens in the NFL draft. But Dave Gettleman, uh, he just is all bluster. He tells you exactly how it is, and he doesn't really care. You know, it was well known ahead of the fact that Daniel Jones – uh, was going to be the quarterback that was selected. The rumor was out all over the place. Uh, I, unfortunately, last year did not believe it. I was like, there's just no way they're going to pick him that early. Um, but right now, there's a, been a lot of conversation by local beat writers in New Jersey and the New York area that are speculating uh, almost unanimously that they're going to go offensive tackle. But a lot of these drafts have uh, Isaiah Simmons going there. And I actually heard from a, another um, credible mocker that I forget his name right now, uh, that they were going to go for Brown, the kid from uh, Auburn, the defensive tackle. So where do you, you know, the local beat writers are saying one thing, the mockers are saying another one. Is there one in, in this particular instance that you believe over the other? Yeah, so as far as the Giants go, I would just keep an eye on the reports, especially the day or two before the draft. And the reason why that is, is think of Gettleman's drafts with the Giants. It I remember I was playing Barkley to the Giants the last uh, day or two before the draft because 
for whatever reason, the Giants just can't keep their mouth shut and word gets out yeah. who they like and who they're going to take in drafts. I mean, so Bark- Barkley, that information was pretty well known, like, hey, listen, the Giants are going to take him. So, And that came out like a day or two before. And then the Daniel Jones theme started in like uh, around the combine that the Giants liked this guy. And then it just got clearer and clearer the closer to the draft that we got that, hey, the Giants are going to take this guy. And I even I have some people that I know, a um, friend of a friend, knew uh, a guy that was pretty uh, close to Daniel Jones's agent. He told me before the draft, like, hey, Tom, um, they told Daniel Jones they're taking him. Like, it's already yeah. happening. So, I with the Giants, what I'm doing with them is day or two before the draft, I'm just sitting by the phone, sitting on Twitter, just waiting for it to come out. Because it would not stun me if it comes out uh, again for the third year in a row. Yeah. So, I think that we're going to start to see a consensus developing with the Giants. I don't know who it's going to be. It could be Simmons. I mean, I, you made me pick. I think it's going to be offensive lineman. I don't know which lineman it will be. But um, I think we're going to get a clearer uh, picture of what they're going to be doing a day or two before the draft. And I would just recommend standing pat on it and uh, being ready to fire once uh, you start seeing a consensus to, uh, to happen. I, I grabbed a little bit of plus 110 uh, for an offensive lineman drafted by the Giants. I don't know which one. I've heard Wills. I've heard Wirth. Uh, I heard Becton. Uh, and then I actually heard Thomas today. So I really have no idea what offensive lineman they're going to go with. Uh, I do think they're going to go with an offensive lineman. They have to protect Daniel Jones. You know, you're only going to go as far as your team, uh, your quarterback takes you. Uh, you saw what happened two years ago with Saquon Barkley. is obviously incredible. But if you don't have a quarterback that's uh, efficient and effective, your team can't go anywhere. And if he's hurt or if he's on his back constantly, you're not going to win a lot of games. And you know... Dave Gettleman will tell everybody he loves the hog mollies. You know, so much so that FanDuel lists their offensive line category as hog mollies. Uh, so I did take points bet plus 110 uh, just for a little bit right now, and I do agree with you. I think word is going to get out. Dave Gettleman cannot stop talking. Uh, it's funny because he doesn't do a whole lot of press conferences, but when he talks, he says some incredible nonsense. Um, stuff to root for sometimes, I will admit that. Um, in the beginning, uh, when all these draft props were, were loaded up, there was a, a prop of Hertz going over 60.5, and, and then there was another book that was under 75.5. I was able to grab that middle. It has come down all the way down to 60.5 in some spots, uh, right where it started from. Kuiper was saying that he's definitely going to be a, a number two day, so basically the second round pick. Is, is that something that you think... Uh, do you have any opinion on that? Is that something, you know, obviously the 75 to 60, you're pretty excited about a 15 uh, pick middle. Uh, but where do you see Hertz going here? Yeah, so, I mean, personally, I'm not a Jalen Hurts guy. I mean, I didn't think he was very – I thought he was actually terrible at Alabama. I know a lot of what he did at Oklahoma I thought was scheme. But guess what? One of the things when you're doing this is you need to take your opinion out of it because my opinion on Jalen Hurts means nothing. It's yeah. what are the evaluators in the NFL – think of Jalen Hurts um I mean I, I'm seeing I, I read the Kuiper stuff saying he thought that Hurts would maybe go late first round I'm, I'm not buying that but I definitely think that it's gonna it's gonna be the second or third round it's just a matter of uh where and if you got it at 78 and a half that's basically the middle of the third round so you're getting the entire second plus the first half of the third round which I would like it at, at uh 78 and a half but um, at the 60 and a half, it's, 
kind of just something I'm staying away from. I'll, I'll wait to maybe see if more info comes out, but nothing really strong as far as uh, Hurts goes. So we have uh, we put up a couple of picks on our site uh, of plays that we've made that I personally have made and, and obviously put it up uh, for anybody else that wants to follow. Uh, Patrick Queen, we I gave it out. I bought it myself at nineteen and a half. Gave it out on the site at twenty and a half. It's now at twenty four and a half. At what point are you looking to middle these things? Obviously, if you have an opinion and there's a ton of information coming out that says Queen is is going in the top half of the first round, you want to act on that. Uh, with the knowledge that you know now, I'm going to ask you a couple of different things. And, and if you have an opinion, great, share it. If you don't, I respect that as well. But Patrick Queen right now is is sitting at twenty four and a half, which seems to be about where he is in the mock drafts. Is that something that we should be looking to middle this opportunity now? You know, obviously four is not the same as the fifteen picks that I had with with um, uh, with the other quarterback. But with Patrick Queen, what are we doing here? Are we just sitting tight to see if we get more information? Yeah, so I mean, I got on that Queen play also, and um, I'm not doing anything with. It. I'm just letting it ride for right now. And the, the only time that I'm going to middle a draft prop is when I legitimately like the other side, because. For me, it's a matter of saving my credit and having enough money that if something really strong does come out, I can get as much money as possible down on that play. So I'm just not going to middle clean just for the hell of it. Um, I think the, the number that we got, which was, um, I believe, 18 and a half, 19, one of those two numbers, um, I believe that was a good over. And I mean, the market reflected it. And right now you kind of see them in that 20 to – to 25 range in all the mocks. So I just wouldn't go under the 24 and a half just for, for the hell of it. It would have to be a play that I legitimately like to be able to do that. So yeah, personally, I mean, I'm on that one with you and I'm, I'm just letting it ride unless uh, any new information comes out. That's going to change my mind on it. I think that's a fair assessment in, uh, you know, you mentioned previously about having a limitless bankroll and, you know, as far as everybody that I am in touch with does not have a limitless bankroll when it comes to this or anything in general. So saving your money for those opportunities where you actually have an opinion uh, certainly seems like a better choice. And I am going to take your advice there and lay off of the queen unless we hear something differently. Um, there, there's two different groups in the first round that are just getting a lot of love and it's interchangeable. And I'm curious if you have any insight on that or, or are you staying away? Right now I have stayed away completely with offense alignment and wide receivers. Two groups that are, uh, depending on who likes a particular person, they can go first and it wouldn't be a shock. Is there anything that you're feeling on that with Ruggs, um, with uh, Lamb, uh, with, with the whole wide receiver core? I know Jefferson's been thrown in the mix occasionally here and there too. Yeah, um, as far as the offensive linemen go, uh, I do like the over five and a half offensive linemen. Uh, I know it's six and a half at most places, but there's still some five and a halfs like with heavy juice, like minus two eighty, minus three hundred ish that are out there. Um, I bet it about two days ago the uh, the over, and it's just it's one of those I don't think they can price high enough. I mean, there's just going to be six offensive linemen. You have the top four tackles that are going to likely go in the first 12 picks or so and offensive line is a position that a lot of teams need and there's a lot of it's a more of a top heavy offensive line class and then the, the depth you're just not going to find the guys in the third fourth fifth round that you could find at other positions specifically receiver so i mean i counted nine guys that i think could potentially go in the first round as far as offensive line yeah. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that there's, there's like probably seven. Four, Go ahead, I'm sorry. 
I was going to say there's seven tackles alone that probably can go in the first round, and there's probably two or three uh, in, you know, interior linemen that could also go in the first round. That Any combination of those, you're getting over every time at five and a half. Exactly. I mean, the teams just need the position so bad that you're, you're going to get over that five and a half if, if you play that. But, um, yeah, as far as the receivers go, um, I haven't done anything with, like, the, the over-under number of receivers that get drafted. I've just been attacking some guys individually. So, uh, Justin Jefferson got open minus 160 at FanDuel points bet to uh, go ahead of T. Higgins. And that line was just a, a joke. That was a few weeks ago. But, um, yeah, T. Higgins is actually one of the guys that I've been playing overs on as much as I can. I've been playing no first round. I bet him over 25 and a half, over 27 and a half, over 29 and a half. And, um, Higgins is just a guy that just seems like he's really falling. I mean, he really got hurt by actually doing his pro day where he ran like a four, five, eight, forty. So, um, that hurt him. And just the more you read into people that are in the know, such as like Gil Brandt, who has a ton of connections in the league, they're just saying that Higgins isn't, really the prospect that uh, people think he is. Even Evan Silva was saying that he wouldn't be stunned if Higgins fell to like the, the late second round Wow. or so. So, yeah, any type of Higgins overs I've been playing, and then just some individual guys. I think uh, LaVisca Chenault at uh, minus 240 or so to not go in the first round, I think that's a good play. I just I don't see how he goes in the first round. He's like another Cordero Patterson without the return ability. From, from what I hear, so I uh, yeah, I've just been attacking individual receivers, some matchups and all that, and not really focusing on the, the position as a whole. We just put up uh, yesterday that Mims drafted before Chenault minus two fifty. Obviously, you're laying a lot there. Mims is getting mocked probably about. I don't know, 70% of the time in the first round now. Uh, and Chenault has been nowhere to be seen in the last like month of mock drafts. Uh, you, what's your thoughts on that? It, it's a steep number to lay, but do you think there's still value there? Yeah, I like that play. Um, I'm not really worried about the juice. I mean, because you know what? If I make a line minus 600 and it's minus 250, then I really don't give a shit about laying minus 250. Yeah. I'm going to lay minus 250 because it's plus EV. And right. I, I mean, my true number for Mims before Chanel would probably be minus 500, minus 600. So minus 250 seems like a, a steal for me. I mean, uh, it feels like Mims, worst case, probably going to fall to the uh, the early first, early second round. You saw uh, Bob McGinn's article from the Athletic where he interviews scouts on uh, their opinions on the receivers. There was some scouts saying that they thought he was better than Trudy and Lamb. Wow. And then you had some other scouts that were saying they thought he would be a bust. But I think that the ceiling is just so high for Mims and for. Uh, for Chenault, he's just such a raw product, and he also has injury concerns. And with the coronavirus stuff that's going on right now, guys that have injury concerns are going to fall down draft boards because you can't get a medical on the guy. So I think it's the perfect storm for Mims to go before him, and I have no problem laying minus 250 on that. Yeah, they say Mims from uh, the Baylor wide receiver that we're talking about here is uh... – Big, fast. His route tree is a little bit limited, uh, but DK Metcalf's was also limited last year. And if you know that, and, and you're tailoring your offense to to maximize their potential and not with their weaknesses in mind, uh, he could be a steal late in the first round, and could you know in a couple of years have the same production as some of the top three receivers that we've talked about. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's even you're you're hearing some rumors that the Broncos might even be interested in him at at a 15. You're hearing the Vikings as a possible spot. It wouldn't stun me if the Eagles were because they do need a uh, a vertical threat at receiver. So, yeah, I, I did bet some Nims under uh, 33 and a half about like two weeks ago. So, yeah, any, anything before Chenault's uh, a solid one. So there was a. Uh... A safety that came out of nowhere last couple of weeks gained a lot of steam and kind of has fizzled out a little bit. I haven't heard his name much. Uh, Jeremy Chin, uh, I think I got it at plus 2,200 for him to be the first safety. Uh, I, I think you got something a higher number than that. Uh, right now, Xavier McKinney, who is predominantly uh, unanimously considered the, the number one safety, uh, is minus 225 to go over Jeremy Chin. What What's your thoughts on that? I know Jeremy Chin, like we, we've mentioned before, was, you know, highly thought of and had a lot of steam going behind him. But going against the number one safety here is minus 225 still a good number that we should be looking at. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know what? You're not, you're not hearing a lot of buzz with, uh, with McKinney right now. And um, I really don't have a strong feel on this safety. You, you really don't hear much buzz with the safety class in general. I, I bet a lot of uh, Grant Delpit from uh, LSU. I bet him the no first round over 30 and a half a few weeks ago. So I think he's falling. Um, McKinney, the only thing I did with him is I bet over 18 and a half early in the process. And um, yeah, um, as far as that one goes, I, I really don't got a great feel for that. I mean, I'd, I'd maybe wait a little longer to see if uh, where Jeremiah puts him in his mock draft. Cause Jeremiah is the guy that really started all that steam with uh, Chen being the first safety. Um, he was actually a hundred to one to be the first safety at some places. Yeah, as soon as Jeremiah tweeted out, he was about a hundred to one. So I did get a decent piece on that. So I, I'm very selfishly hoping that that shit will go before McKinney. But that that's one that you know what I think you do. I think you wait until Wednesday and you see Jeremiah's final mock draft and. If Jeremiah has McKinney maybe going in like the maybe the Dallas, who's I believe picking eighteen, the Dallas or seventeen, the the Dallas range to the um, maybe the mid twenties, and Chin's not in the first round, then I think you maybe play it because Jeremiah is the guy that got a lot of this Chin hype started. But um, yeah, I would wait on that one until the Wednesday night mock draft, final mock draft that uh, Jeremiah is going to be doing. It's funny because 31 teams can feel one way about a player and somebody, you know, they might like McKinney over uh, anybody for that matter, Winfield even. And it takes one team to ruin ever, all the work that you've done and all the information that you gather and everything that makes sense. And if it's just one team values him over somebody else, you could be out of it. Even if you had a positive play going into it, you're still losing, you know, in that respect. So, um It'll be interesting to see what happens with the safety class. Like you mentioned, there's been a lot of interchangeable parts. Really, uh, McKinney, uh, Del Pitt, like you mentioned. Winfield got a lot of love. I think he was in Kuiper's mock recently that just came out as well. Uh, another player that I-, I wanted to get your opinion on was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, there was talk originally about him uh, usurping uh, you know, the number one spot as a running back, and his name has kind of disappeared off the first uh, round boards. Where-, where do you put him right now? What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, so a lot of people I respect are saying that they think that Taylor might not be as high in the um, in the NFL community that he is in the fantasy community. So um, if you play a lot of like dynasty football leagues, 
for fantasy, you'll see that Taylor's stock is like through the roof ever since he ran that uh, that super fast forty at his weight. That he's pretty much the consensus RB one in the class. But um, a lot of the NFL people, I don't think they're as high, and a lot of that is obviously due to, to the devaluing of running backs as a whole, but. Also, the fact that if you're going to play running back, you kind of really need to be good in the passing game. And a lot of people say that Taylor is decent in the passing game and Wisconsin really doesn't throw to their backs that much. But I believe he dropped like eight balls last year, which was one of the highest amount of drops for all running backs in the country. So um, when he's going against other people, like uh, DeAndre Swift, who's gotten some Camara comparisons for his receiving ability, and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's gotten some Austin Eckler comparisons with because of his receiving ability. I think that might cause him to fall, and I, I haven't bet any of it yet, but I've been looking at some uh, over 36-and-a-half on Jonathan Taylor, and um, I've even been hearing some people think he's maybe going to fall to the to Steelers in the second round who might be looking for another running back, so it definitely uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Taylor fall. And actually, uh, William Hill had a prop the other day, which is just an absolute joke. They had uh, DeAndre Swift minus one thirty to go ahead of uh, Jonathan Taylor. Huh. So I mean, if you could get that, I mean, the market for Swift to be the first running back taken is minus two twenty or so. So I mean, if you're laying one thirty in a head-to-head against Taylor, that's a, an absolute no-brainer. But um. Yeah, as of now, I really haven't done anything with Taylor, but um, I'm definitely leaning towards the overs, and it wouldn't stun me if I ended up uh, betting some Taylor overs as we get closer to the draft. You know, one thing, I've heard that conversation about him with the fantasy uh, perspective, but at least the fantasy that I've been playing, it's mostly PPR leagues. How... Why is he so thought of if he has no catching ability or we haven't seen that catching ability? Is his running game that special? That is he like a Derrick Henry that it doesn't matter if he catches a lot of balls, that he's still going to be productive versus Swift, which is, like you mentioned, Kamara that catches the ball in the backfield. He, he's like another receiver out there. So I, I don't really understand that love, and I know you know more about that space than I do. What What is the rationale for that? Yeah, I mean, it's the, 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 the combine performance is huge. I mean... Athletically, he tested very similar to Saquon Barkley. I mean, Saquon is a genetic freak out there at running back. So anytime you get that comparison and just the, the production that he had at Wisconsin, I think for three years he was their, their lead back and he had amazing production in a, in a tough conference to play in. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a lot of that. But, um, yeah, a lot of this stuff with the fantasy stuff, though, for a running back is going to depend on what team you go to. I mean, if you're going to go to a team like the Titans that will, with Derrick Henry, they commit to the run game. And it doesn't even matter that he's not catching passes because they're going to commit to the run. You're going to get all the goal line touches and you're going to be a workhorse. And that's fine as far as Taylor's stock goes and any type of fantasy stuff. But if he's going to go to a team that um, is going to have him split touches and they're going to have a pass catching back and he's just going to be the two down uh, grinding running back, then you're going to see his stock in that type of format fall, you know? Yeah. I have one more question for you here. And what are we going to do after this draft is over? If they're not going to have sports back, I mean, this is literally what has consumed my time. Every void that I've had because we've had to stay inside, I've, I've been researching it, listening to podcasts, reading, doing mock draft stuff. What in the world are we going to do next week? Well, 
far as far as what I'm going to do, so probably after the draft ends, I'm going to spend at least the next few days just uh, gobbling in all the podcasts and the articles I can about the draft prospects and um, know. I'll know everything about these guys, about what teams are saying about them and everything. Um, then I'm probably going to adjust my, my uh, power ratings, my season win totals. I'll probably start attacking the season-long props a little more aggressively because I'm going to have so much money in my accounts um, after the draft ends. So I'm going to look to play some uh, over-under season-long props like um, – Rivers over under pass yards, uh, Derrick Henry over under rush yards, all that stuff. But uh, the middle of May is going to be a depressing time. And, you know, um, I guess all we can hope for is that we start to get some momentum with, uh, with baseball coming back with no fans. And maybe we'll hear some stuff about basketball coming back with no fans. But it's, uh, it's going to be a lonely time, especially for, for somebody that does this all day like I do and a lot of my income is based off of um, betting on sports, and it's it's going to be tough. But um, you just got to get through it, I guess. And I guess I'll try to find uh, a productive hobby. Uh, my girlfriend will be real happy to, to hear that. Maybe I'll do some stuff for a, around the house and actually learn how to cook or something productive. And uh, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. Just uh, hopefully, we still have our health and. Um, and we just get to September as quick as possible. So you're not going to be betting on any Ukrainian table tennis? I know that's being offered. Are you not uh, venturing into that marketplace? You know what? I haven't hit that marketplace. I've, uh, I was playing a lot of middles in the, uh, the 2K tournament with, um, when the players were playing against each other in 2K. Because I was having some places. I was getting middles. like I was getting one guy plus five and a half. And then the other side, I was getting like plus two. How do they even put anything down yeah, for that? That doesn't make any sense. These are not uh, liquid markets. So yeah. You're going to find a lot of opportunities with them. So I was playing the middles. I actually hit a few of them, which was uh, pretty nice. And then um, I was playing some uh, the horse tournament. Um, I had some information on that where uh, it was uh, able. I was able to make some good coin on that. But um, I'm not going to play any of this stuff unless I have an edge. I, I don't gamble. Just uh, It's not a... It's not fun for me unless I have an edge. When I have an edge at it, it's my favorite thing to, to do in the world. But when I don't have an edge, it just really doesn't interest me that much. So uh, I'm going to stay away from all the table tennis and shit unless, uh, unless you know a guy that can give me some inside info. Uh, I have been making a lot of phone calls over to the Ukraine, and I will uh, be in touch for sure, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you should be following pregame hitman at pregame hitman on twitter he has a wealth of knowledge and is certainly a great follow he puts stuff out there that you need to know he gives you information as it's happening that are actionable for you so make sure you go give him a follow on twitter uh we also have some stuff on our website at avoidthevig.com uh this is we have the composite mock draft where we have over 20 different mock drafts represented in one screen so you can see where everyone is coming in we also have identified the people that we trust the most that are doing the mock drafts and we put that up there uh to compare as well um, we also on top of that even have free picks that you pay absolutely nothing for that are our personal plays that we are playing ourselves we also put it up on the website for you to get uh, for nothing 
for absolutely free. So feel free to tail, follow whatever you like, fade whatever you don't. If you don't think we, we know what we're talking about, um, certainly we're putting a lot of work and effort into this and we've been profitable over the long term here. Uh, so appreciate you listening to us. Follow us on Twitter at avoidthevig.com. Hope you're having a great night and good luck on the NFL draft. Thank you.